Hi, welcome back to the Practical Scouter. This is Jay. I'm here today with Greg and Jeff. Hi, guys. Hi, Jay. How's everybody doing? Quite good. Yep, better than I deserve. Um, one of the interesting topics of conversation and scouting these days is summer camp. Uh, and here in Connecticut, we're faced with, uh, I'll call it a dilemma, that a number of the New England states are facing, and that's for the most part, a lack of resident uh, summer camp. In the state of Connecticut, our governor has said that for this phase of reopening Connecticut, they are not allowing any resident camps, whether it's the uh, Boy Scouts or YMCA or any youth programs. Uh, there is uh, some ability to open day camps uh, with a number of restrictions, but for now, there's no resident camp, and that makes it for an interesting summer coming up. It does. It does. It's going to be very interesting, you know, beyond summer camps, but for all activities. I, I have two teenagers, and uh, I don't know what I'm going to do to hide from them for the entire summer. Well, for me, for me, this year, uh, my wife and I will, will have been married 20 years, and we had a whole big trip planned. And part of the time was the boys were going to be off at camp together. And then my in-laws were going to be up after to watch them for a second week after they came back from camp. And, and that is all kiboshed. So, you know, it's uh, <laughs> practically speaking, you know, we have to cancel our anniversary trip. And, you know, at this point, we don't know what the travel situation is going to be like uh, in a couple of months when we were planning on doing that trip. So uh, we would have had to do something anyway, but, we were using summer camp as a as a way to get uh, uh, you know the BSA to look after our children uh, while we went off on an anniversary trip. So you know that can happen. It is the babysitters of of America. I mean that is what it stands for. We all know <laughs> That's this. Right. That's what BSA is all about. Right? So Jay, question for you. So the the way the announcements were happening. So for those listeners that are not in in New England. Uh, and what we experience here is more or less anything New York City's doing, we're following along or where there's some regional coordination and whatnot. Uh, but the councils, there are what, three councils in our state? Three? Four? Four. And for a while, the councils were in some communication, and they, it, was, it was pretty uh, consistent communication across the councils, but some councils canceled much earlier than others, not much earlier, maybe three or four days or even a week, and all of a sudden there's all this confusion. Well, there's a camp right next door that canceled. Why isn't the other BSA camp that is literally across the street? Why? What's what was all that about? If you know, if you don't know, I'm you know. I, I, well, I I do. So um, in in Connecticut, <clears throat> so I'm trying to think on dates now. Probably a week and a half ago, uh, the governor, our governor, in a press conference indicated that all the guidance that had been stated for youth camps, and it was specific for youth camps, uh, they clarified to say, oh, no, we only meant that that was for day camps and that our guidance does not apply for resident camps. And, in fact, we will not, uh, being allow, we will not allow resident camps to open under this phase uh, in Connecticut. We said that's great. Our council said that's great, and I'm, I'm chairing the uh, – uh, Enterprise Risk Management Committee and our COVID Response Committee, and we said we'd like to see that in writing because, you know, the devil's always in the details for that. One of the other councils in Connecticut took that as gospel and 
you know, they didn't have any reason not to believe that that was coming out. We just decided to wait for uh, the guidance to come in writing. And at that point, a um, number of us were told that it would come out that day or the next day. In fact, the executive order was much more complicated and took uh, roughly a week to be issued because it did not just address camps. It addressed a number of other businesses. Uh, so as you would expect, the government wants to get it right, and they did. Um, once the official announcement, the official executive order was announced, uh, I think we made our announcement to our council within the hour. So you know, one council decided to go based on what they knew was coming, and we made a decision that we wanted to see it all in writing uh, first. And uh, so both of us right, but the timing was interesting. Uh, at least one of the council that runs the summer camp waited along with us, and they came out with their guidance. Um, the fourth council in Connecticut only runs day camps. They waited, I think, three or four more days to decide to cancel their their camps. And, and day camps in Connecticut are allowed, um, but there's a number of restrictions about group sizes and camp sizes. And um, so each council made their, their own decision. Um, I, I did a quick survey in the Northeast region, which uh, in Boy Scout parlance is Washington, D.C., uh, north all the way to Maine. And right now there's 57 councils in the Northeast region. As of today, 60% uh, of those 34 councils have decided to close their uh, resident camps. So 40% are still open. In our metered area, which is Area 2, so that's... Um, Western Massachusetts, all of Connecticut, Hudson Valley, New York City, and Long Island, there's 11 councils. Eight of those 11 have already decided to close their resident camps, and that's in this, not just Connecticut, it's also um, uh, New York and Massachusetts, and each council is making their own uh, decisions based on the information that they have. In the case of Massachusetts, the governor has come up with some broad guidance about when uh, resident camps could potentially open, which I believe is mid-July at the earliest, but a number of councils in Massachusetts have not made a final decision, um, and they may try to run something later in the summer, which would be great. Um, other councils in the Northeast, New Jersey, for example, has not come out with specific guidance, so those councils are waiting to happen. But as we know, in some cases, uh, not, in, not in our council, but other councils, um, their camps are distant from their physical uh, location of the council. New York City, for example, uh, a lot of the camps are well well outside of New York City. Uh, Westchester County, Westchester Putnam Council has a camp in upstate New York, and they decided to uh, close, and they had not been mandated by the governor. So every council is wrestling with this. Can the, they, can we offer a safe and healthy camping program? And a lot of the conclusions are not yet. Certainly not when an overnight camp. Yeah, and I watched that rebroadcast. Uh, you sent out the link. Um, it was a Zoom meeting. Some of the folks from National talking about camp, and they were talking about, uh, I forget the name they came up with it, but those those uh, circles, the concentric circles, and they're getting into the, uh, you know, and this, is, this apparently was some idea from the CDC that didn't go public, and I can, I can see why. It's somewhat confusing, and basically... It looked like they said, look, have your camps, have a good time, but keep it, keep your groups to 40 or less and don't ever let those groups interact with each other and follow the guides within the groups. And it just seemed to me like some numbers game where they were suggesting that, okay, have your camp, but 
have them as little mini groups with camps within camps. And if one of those group gets sick, that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, you know, uh, infect the rest of the camp and you can still make it happen. And, uh, the, the, it, uh, at the, from the national level and for those at national that are listening to this, I'm, I'm sure you are trying every angle that, that, that you can think of. And, you know, I certainly appreciate all the work and it's just got to be a, a huge task to try and coordinate that. But pretty much every other sentence that they had in that pot, in that, in that, uh, in that broadcast was, well, this is general guidance, but you have to follow your local laws. You make your own local decision, and, and they're giving these really broad stroke ideas, but turns out none of them applied to us. They couldn't help us at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge at the national level. You know, we've got scouting in, in certainly all 50 states. We've got them uh, overseas uh, heading east and west of the United States. Um, so a number of different councils... And as we know, the, the COVID-19 virus is affecting different parts of the country differently. In the Northeast, we've been a particular hotspot. Um, but in some other parts of the country, it's been um, much lower incidence of infection so far. And certainly we hope it stays that way. So it's virtually impossible for the National Council to give any kind of guidance that wouldn't be uh, uh, state-specific. Uh, so, for example, Connecticut, day camps can operate, but the concentric circle idea, Jeff, as you pointed out, is limited to uh, uh, groups of no more than 10 youth uh, plus staff members and no more than three groups in a camp. So no more than 30 youth members in a camp. That's a day camp operation. Uh, the state does allow for waiver requests to go above that if you can demonstrate as a camp director that you can operate the camp safely and having gone through a lot of these different analysis for our council, it's a real challenge. Uh, I think some camps can pull it off. It's, it, it's, a, it's all about risk versus reward, and you hate to go through that analysis when you're dealing with the, the lives of our children. Uh, and to be honest, if my kids were of the age where they're eligible to go to camp and they've been out of scouting for many, many years, uh, I'm not sure what my decision would be as a parent, coupled with the fact that I've been uh, trapped inside with my kids now for two months and helping them with their homework and trying to do my job and uh you know sharing uh, wi-fi and sharing computer access and uh you know, i'd give anything to send them to camp uh, even though it's not my 20th anniversary this year was my 40th so we were going to do a bigger celebration uh which is one hold uh but yeah it's hard i mean i really feel for you know parents everywhere and, and certainly in our our council is if camp's not available, what do they do? For me, a very specific thing is my youngest son, I've been promising him a great camp experience, and he's a little bored with scouting right now because it's not very fun. He doesn't get to do the cool stuff because he crosses over in a virtual world, and all he's been doing is virtual stuff. And he was looking forward to camp, and you know, I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to keep him in scouting if I can't get him to... You know, the promise of scouting, which is a, or one of the many promises of scouting, but a big one is the outdoors part, right? And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. I'm convinced that once he gets out there and starts seeing that part of scouting, not just working on uh, some of the, the bookworm stuff, that he's going to have a much better time. That's just the kind of kid that he is. Uh, so you know, that's the kind of thing that I'm personally uh, wrestling with in my own family. 
Um, and Greg, you had something to add on that? Uh, just, you know, Jay, to your point about what you would do as a parent of youth today, really to me, only half of this is, can we get the camps ready? Can we do this properly? The other half of it is, who's going to show up? Is it worth all the hoops that we could jump through to put on a program if three quarters of the parents say, that's nice that you're going forward, I'm not sending my kid. And I know we've done some surveys and I'm sure many councils have done the same thing, but that has to be a factor. I'm sure it was in all this as well. It's it's 50%, can we make this work? And 50%, even if we do, are we even gonna get the attendance we need? Yeah, that's a good good question. When when National um, queried a number of councils on the surveys they did, it was roughly 50% of the parents of Scouts BSA youth said that they would send their uh, child to camp knowing what they know now, and this now would have been um, mid to late August, uh, April, excuse me, in our council, and 50% said they would not. Uh, when it came to Cub Scout age youth, it was... Uh, less, probably in the 40 to 45 percent range, said that they would send their youth to a uh, camp program. Interestingly, when our council had a follow-up question, said, would you be interested in virtual programming uh, or remote programming, as it were, uh, there was a uh, good percentage of families, 45 to 50 percent, that said they would be interested. Our council, numbers of number of councils have done the same thing, have created a um, a virtual or a remote program. We call it remote because we want to get the kids outdoors in some respect. Uh, for the summer, uh, some councils will call it camp in a box. Some are call it um, you know, pure vir virtual. We'll be doing things online, trying to get troops to sign up um, at, at the same time, the same week, so we can have some troop competition or at least troop involvement, even if we're doing it distantly. Um, what we don't know is the next round of openings in the state of Connecticut, which we understand is tentatively for the 20th of June, whether that will give us some flexibility to uh, start in-person meetings again. We think that may be the case. The governor has not published what those specific guidance lines would be, but we're planning to be prepared uh, to coin a term uh, that if we can do outdoor programming, we will. Not as a resident camp, uh, but possibly day programs. Our camps right now are closed, all of our camps. We can open them certainly from the 20th of June on, if that's the, uh, the deadline. And uh, if units can camp overnight and still meet with state guidelines, then we would do that and allow that. Got to make sure we have not toilet paper around and uh, <laughs> cleaning supplies, which are sometimes in short supply. Uh, but we want to get the kids outdoors. Not, not one of us joined scouting to go to meetings, and nobody ever contemplated we were joining scouting to go to Zoom meetings. So we want to be outdoors as much as possible. And since in Jeff's case and mine, family vacations are a lot different this summer, if at all. Uh, you know, we, we think troops will be mostly intact to be able to go camping. And then parents get to decide if they consider it safe enough, which is an important decision, certainly. Since Since... Two-thirds of this hosting group has a milestone anniversary this summer. Maybe we should be marketing summer camps as, hey, do you have a special event this summer? Throw your kids at the BSA <laughs> <laughs> so that you can go away with your spouse. <laughs> so it's interesting for our, for our troop. We have told our troop 
we've told, we've asked our troop, save the date of the week we would normally have gone to summer camp because we usually go at the end of July because we know that if we can do something as a group at the end of July, even though summer camp is closed, even if that's just a, just a one-nighter or, or maybe a two- or a three-nighter, and to go away and do some event with the troop during our usual camp week, we, we don't want the families to give up and, and you know schedule something else. I don't know what they'd be scheduling. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. But we still are trying to maintain that tradition and keep that time available with them. We're also gathering materials on all the virtual camps, both the one that our council is offering and the ones all over the place. My son keeps saying he wants to try, he wants to find a virtual camp in England or in Australia, somewhere where they speak English, where he can do a virtual camp on the other side of the world just for the opportunity. And I keep trying to explain that's going to mean getting up at three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) But there's an opportunity here to to look distantly and you know if there are half a dozen virtual camps that look good and you know one of them has a particular merit badge that a scout is interested in they've got an opportunity to join a virtual camp in a different part of the country or even the world and try something out which is a neat opportunity oh i think i think it's a fantastic chance to do that talking to a couple of other councils in our area when they op- their, they opened their uh, virtual camps earlier than than we did for registration, and I think with in the first week they had people from four different states, and I thought they said someone from uh, Scandinavia that also signed up. So your son has a soulmate somewhere, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and in Northwest Europe that was was interested in getting up at three in the morning to uh, play the time zone game. So I think that would be. Uh, you know, phenomenal, uh, and and the ability, hopefully, to exchange ideas with people from other areas is you know Im- immensely interesting and, and and certainly helpful. Yeah, it's almost like a a jamboree on the internet at a next level, really. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That that's a that's a good uh, silver lining type opportunity in all of this, right? That you normally wouldn't. You normally wouldn't have the opportunity, so uh, we, you couldn't say, "Ooh, hey, uh, I see unit in, uh, I don't know, uh, northern France. I see you're going on this thing. Can you virtualize that so I can attend?" You know, it, it would never work. <laughs> but this is this uh, this is cool. I mean, I, hey, what part of this sticks around in the future? Who knows? But we may as well find the items that we can enjoy, we may as well find them and, and hang on to them. Mm-hmm. Very, true. Yeah. Very true. So Jay, Jay, yeah. the, what, what are the, what are the, um, the financial impacts of this on, on the councils? So uh, my understanding across the United States, um, councils were divided in third. One third of the councils make money when they're on summer camp. One third of the councils lose money when they run summer camp, but they run it anyway one-third break-even. Uh, our council is in the first category where we make money running summer camp, and therefore that's an important part of our budget. So financially, it's a um, considerable impact to our annual budget and to 
uh, to our annual income and therefore you know, our expenses. Uh, so we will miss summer camp. We've made adjustments in our budget uh, already. So to, to minimize that impact, then we're doing okay. And we were able to take advantage of uh, various government um, uh, loan and grant programs to help tide us over. Um, so opening the uh, remote camp was for two reasons. One is for engagement because we want to keep our youth involved and we'd like to do it locally because we have staff and we have a lot of expertise uh, on how to run camp programs. Not so much on virtual, but we've, we've got plenty of teachers that have been doing that steadily for the last uh, two months. Uh, so they're uh, as expert at it as anybody. And also it, it will help us financially uh, running the camp. Uh, and, you know, we'll make a few dollars and you know, help cushion the, uh, the blow as it were for the uh, financial impact of not running camp. You know, and in addition to camp here, <clears throat> excuse me, in addition to camp, you have other things that are, are postponing for scouting in general. I mean, uh, NYLT for, for our council w was just put off. Uh, decision forthcoming on Woodbedge for this year. We are have not had an IOLS. We have, you know, no blue training. Any of those in-person trainings are not happening. We have a new ASM in our troop. We are, um, our charter org is a Catholic church. They require Virtus training that isn't happening right now in person. And you need to take that in person. So there are a lot of other things that are being pushed off here that impact the, the progress of the program from that perspective. And yes, we'll all come back to some sort of reality and some sort of normalcy rather at some point, but there are, there are people waiting for all of these opportunities and we don't really have a virtual answer. And some of those things don't work in a virtual setting. C correct. And, and the national office came out with some specific guidance that certain training programs do not work virtually. Uh, Wood badge, NYLT, uh, blue, uh, IOLS uh, named specifically just because there is that important outdoor component uh, to it. And part of it is the, the team building aspect of it also. At the same time, there's a lot of training that is available online and hopefully still people are taking advantage of that. But there's going to be a pent-up demand. And from a, a training standpoint, we'll have to you know, be prepared to to meet that demand as quickly and as efficiently as possible, and obviously in as safe a manner as possible. So opening the camps is one thing, uh, and then you got to figure out, based on what the rules are for social distancing or you know operating as 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 a camp and sleeping arrangements and food service. You know, can we can we do it? And a lot of still unanswered questions. Yep, figuring it out as we go. Well, Jay, I'm glad that you are one of the people in the room helping steer the ship at that at that level, and you and many others. So um, I know that it's not easy to figure these things out on a lot of levels, and one of them is just an ever-changing landscape and rules and restrictions and uh, additional understanding of of the science and various recommendations. It seems like it's starting to settle down, but is it? We don't know, right? The more data they gather, the more <laughs> the more they know. I'd love to get, uh, so Jay, thank you for that. I, I would love to get uh, 
you know one or two people from different uh, regions of the U.S. or and even someone international, and you're talking about uh, maybe maybe camping in general. What are they doing? How are they doing it? And I know we have some connections with uh, that Scottish uh, jamboree that we send people to every year. So maybe maybe uh, uh, we can get a shout out to those folks. It'd be kind of cool to hear the international aspect of of this. Yeah, and it's so different all over the the country and the world. I was on a another Zoom call on a couple of days ago, to, speaking to a woman in North Carolina who mentioned they had three cases in her county. That, that, that was it. So this had a much different impact where she was, certainly, than what we're experiencing. And then you run into the whole crossing state lines issue. Suppose we threw all the scouts on a bus and took them to North Carolina to a scout camp. Would we be allowed to? I don't know the answer to that. Should we be allowed to? All very good questions. And, you know, you're seeing that play out uh, socially and politically. The states that in big population centers in the cities or in places like our area that's close enough to a big monstrous population center that we get caught up in the wake of all of that, right? So uh, a huge portion of my peer group uh, in my in both personal and in my business peer group, they work in and around New York City. And even though we live, you know, what hour and a half, two hours away, maybe depending on how you're. Tra- so you see that you you, you see that uh, it's just going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out, all all the way around. Uh, but I mean, for me as a parent, I'm I'm glad they made the decision. Uh, I. Jay, you, you mentioned earlier, you weren't sure what you would decide as a parent. Well, my wife and I, we talked a lot about this and we just did not have a good comfort level that the camp could be, not that they wouldn't try, but that the camp could not be ready to run the way it's always run and have our children there. So we, unless something dramatically changed about the way that camp was going to operate, we elected not to, to send our kids. We just weren't going to do it. Uh, could there be modifications? I hope so. I would. I'd be more than happy if my son's unit, uh, and and Greg is is one of the scoutmasters there. If the unit went, and I have such confidence in the adults and my 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 son's unit leadership that that unit could work just fine, and they could have a great time and use some of the camping facilities. I just wouldn't be comfortable with them and four or five hundred other scouts in the same area, right? So that's where it landed for me. So, you know, hopefully we can get later on in the fall, we can maybe do something modified uh, locally or otherwise, right? But the laws, the, the, the government in our case, in this area, the government has to allow us to do that right now that there are, there are government restrictions on it. Right, right. We're not allowed to do it. And I, <clears throat> I fell similarly to where you were. It wasn't that we decided, yeah, well, there's no way our son's going ahead to camp. We couldn't conceptualize of a situation where camp was going to happen. So if camp had actually gone forward, we were going to have to have a, a family talk about whether or not this made any sense. But we didn't even let our our minds get to that point. We just said early on, yeah, camp's not happening. Now, I will say this would have been my son's fifth summer. It would have been your older son's fourth summer. If I recall correctly, um, 
even though we knew camp wasn't going to happen, I knew it, my wife knew it, my son knew it, it didn't make that announcement any less difficult to hear because it's been such a big part of, of scouting for us. We go to the same camp every year. And, you know, we knew it wasn't coming. We talked about the fact that it wasn't coming. And similar to when school was canceled for the year, we knew that announcement was coming. And yet when you hear it out loud, your heart sinks a little. You get kind of sad because this is such an important part of the scouting journey um, for my son and for me. It's an important part of, for both of us, of our summers. And, uh, and that was a necessary, it was necessary to cancel it it still hurt. Sure. I mean, in, in our council, there were probably, besides my committee working on general response, there were at least two or three other committees that were looking at different aspects of what does the summer look like? And my group is focused mainly on risk management and, and you know, by extension, health and safety. And we looked at, is there any way, how do we run camp? Is there any way to run camp? And you know, I did a lot of scenarios, and unfortunately, as we continue to get more information, every scenario I ran ended with, and then you close camp. So do you run a risk to open camp with a reasonably high expectation that you're going to end up closing it because of an infection or an outbreak in camp? And while we never reached a formal decision not to offer camp, and the governor made it easier and that's not the right word to use because it's not easy but the governor took that decision away from us had the governor not said that you know no no resident camps in the state of connecticut uh i'm confident that we would have reached the exact same conclusion just because you you couldn't run in a traditional manner and therefore it wouldn't have made any sense to run it from a safety standpoint and the economics become interesting too no. So then we were looking at, well, how do you run it? And it became more and more difficult. And the physical location of our campus is such that it's difficult to do a day operation there just because it's an hour to an hour and a half uh, one-way driving time from many parts of the council. Um, so hard to say. You should leave ho- your house at 6.30 to get up to camp for the morning and then leave before dinner. Uh, although my guess is if we had come up with that program, and we still may be able to do something later in the summer, you know, people take advantage of that just because we don't have a lot of alternatives. Sure. And to, to Jeffrey's point earlier, if, if we have an opportunity as a unit to use the area and and take on unit responsibility in smaller chunks, it's absolutely something that we would do. Yeah. We, we, we see that the demand is certainly out there. And if we can operate it safely um, and within state guidelines, uh, which is, you know, piling on top of us to make sure it is safe and CDC guidelines uh, and, and common sense guidelines, you know, we will try our best to do it. it there's so many unknowns um, and everyone's figuring out as they go along. I mean, we, I've said it before that we're building this airplane as we're flying it uh, and we're trying to make the best decisions that we are. And we've just got a small piece of the puzzle, you know, looking at the state government uh, where everything falls on their shoulders, you know, they're, they're doing an amazing job with uh, you know information evolving by the well, day. We're we're a small we're a small region, small council in a small state, right? In a 
it, it, it there's a lot of trickle down effect that by the time it gets to us, right? And we just we just sort of have to follow along to to what else what everything else that's happening in the region, right? But hey, you know what? To it, it is what it is. Decisions are made, and and we as leaders and scouters and just you know helpful parents, you know we just have to move forward, onward and upward. Yep. The, the right decisions were made, and now it's time for us to continue to offer a scouting program with, with Camp Off the Table. 